0: We hadn't been in the air very long, when the sandy delta of Soyo, at the mouth of the Congo River, gave way to the hard stone of the hills that were once the commanding heights of the great Congo Kingdom. We were landing in Mbansa, Congo. Hello, I'm Georges Collinet. And I'm Pungi. Yo, who? I'm Ned Sublet, but in Banza Congo, they gave me the nickname Pungi. Ah, Josh Collinet
1: and Mpungi with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Episode number three of our four-part radio epic, Hip Deep
0: Angola. A spiritual journey to Banza Congo. Hip Deep Angola is
1: one of our biggest Afropop Worldwide projects ever. My longtime colleague Ned Soblet, co-author of the book The American Slave Coast*, flew to Angola to produce this episode. And today, we're talking about the Congo religion and its importance
0: to the world's cultural heritage. And what we're doing is new. No one's reported from Mbansa, Congo. This region of northern Angola was closed off for more than 40 years by war. And now, 10 years after the war ended, it's still not easy to get there. There's a lot of scholarly work that's been done on Congo culture, but very little of it has been based on fieldwork in Mbansa, Congo. And that's where Barbaro Martinez Ruiz comes in. Assistant professor of art and art history at Stanford, he's been traveling to Mbansa, Congo regularly since 1999. He's revolutionizing our understanding of Congo traditional religion and its connections to Cuba with the publication in 2013 of Congo Graphic Writing Systems and Other Narratives of The Sign, from Temple University Press. We'll be talking to Dr. Barbaro Martinez Ruiz today, and we'll be talking to other scholars who are also artists. To photographer and filmmaker C. Daniel Dawson, to composer Victor Gama, to Macongo healer Pedro Lopes, and more. So, Ned, what's this pungi business? Well, Ned doesn't sound like much in Portuguese. I said I need a nickname, and Barbara Martinez Ruiz said, pungi. Mpungi, uh, you mean
1: the royal trumpet made of an antler or tusk or wood that announces to the people the king's arrival or retreat? Yeah,
0: I was good with it. Here's a number from a great CD I got in Luanda by a group called Makambas from the largely Bakongo province of Ouija. To understand this song, it helps to know that there's a great deal of coming and going between Angola and the Democratic Republic of Congo. And the narrator of this song tells how when he got to Kinshasa, he says, I don't speak Lingala, I'm the son of an Angolan, and I only speak Portuguese quibundo, and Kimbundo and Kikongo. Though he's speaking of Kinshasa where they speak Lingala, he could easily be speaking of places in Angola like Banza Congo, where large numbers of Lingala speakers have come in from across the border recently. And check out how at one point in this tune, the rhythm switches from Angolan Kizomba to Congo Sukus to make its point. <laughs>
2: Eu falo português eu de passagem que chassa, eu de passagem que chassa, uma da sai igual que me pensa no eu de passagem que chassa, eu de passagem que chassa, uma damassa sai igual que me pensa mucanda eu de passagem, se con que é tão bom. Esse com que é tão bom. Mas não entender de engala.
1: From Angola that's the group Makambas with Kinshasa today Hip Deep Angola Part 3, A Spiritual Journey to
0: Mbanza Congo. I'm Georges Collinet. And I'm Ned Sublett on Afropop Worldwide.
1: Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts. This program received major support from a 2012 Loose Fellowship for Reporting on Global Religion, a program of the University of Southern California's Night Chair in Media and Religion. Now, Ned, before we go any further, I think a lot of people are probably confused with how you went to Congo, but in Angola. (laughs) Like Congo, Angola,
0: man, what's the deal? It is a little confusing, but the explanation is simple. There are two countries called Congo, and where I went, Mbansa, Congo, is not in either of them. It's in present-day northern Angola. Bansa means city, so Mbansa, Congo, Congo city. It was called that when the first missionaries arrived in 1491 and in the 16th century, the name was changed by a Christianized Congo ruler to San Salvador and it retained that name for centuries. With independence in 1975, it was changed back to Mbansa, Congo. And it's in present-day Angola because... The European powers divided up Africa among themselves in what has been remembered as the Scramble for Africa. (laughs) during the infamous Berlin Conference of 1884 and 85. Right. The Berlin Conference was cruel to Congo nationhood. It gave part of Congo to France. The so-called French Congo or Congo Brazzaville, which is today the Republic of Congo. It gave the largest chunk of Congo to King Leopold of Belgium for his notorious Congo Free State, which was a living hell of slave labor rubber plantations. And which
1: subsequently was called the Belgian Congo. Then later, under the American supported dictator Mobutu, it was called Zaire. And now, it's called the Democratic
0: Republic of Congo or DRC. And the Berlin Conference gave to Portugal, the least powerful colonial state, the southernmost Congo territory for the so-called Portuguese Congo, which included Zaire province, where Mbansa, Congo is. The historic epicenter of the Congo kingdom. Which is to say the heart of the spiritual, philosophical, and artistic system that was carried to all parts of the Black Atlantic via the slave trade. This area became part of Angola. At its peak, Mbansu Congo was a city of luxury with 60,000 people, an enormous city for anywhere in the world at that time. The Mani Congo, or Congo King, held sway over the Kimbundu-speaking Ndongo Empire to the south, and as far north as present-day Gabon, and as far east as present-day Zambia. They had a system of taxes, paid in money. The currency was shells quarried from the island of Musulu to the south of present-day Luanda. So Mbansa Congo was a great center of intertwined political, economic, and spiritual power. Today, it's a minor provincial city in northern Angola.
1: Now, we don't have any recordings of music from
0: Banza Congo in 1491. And even recordings of traditional music made today are hard to come by. Documenting this culture has not been a priority in Angola. Additionally, there's a great sensitivity about how to articulate Congo identity because the petrol wealth of Angola comes from the north and the ever-present specter of a Congo nationalist movement might be seen as threatening the stability of that source of income. So, Ned, within Angola,
1: the Bakongo people in the north and the Mbundu people farther south are understood to be culturally distinct, right? Right. But meanwhile, these two regions had a great deal of cultural interpenetration.
0: It's something you can still feel today. People from Central Africa were exported by the slave trade all over the Americas. The Congos tended to be taken more to the Caribbean ports and to North America, that is, across the equator. Whereas Kimbundu speakers from a little farther south were taken across the South Atlantic to Brazil. But both groups turned up pretty much everywhere in the Americas. And let's bring on board now our guest scholar, C. Daniel Dawson. A legendary figure in the New York cultural community and a mentor to many of us. We were talking about Congo versus Angola, whose peoples were often mixed together on slave ships. They might think of themselves as speaking different languages, but in Cuba, Brazil, Hispaniola, wherever they found they could communicate.
3: When you say Congo Angola, you're talking about Central Africa. There are actually really well-developed shared linguistic roots for almost all of Central Africa. And if you started the Cameroons, go all the way across to East Africa, go all the way down to the South, most of the languages there are Bantu languages. And these are languages that share a kind of structural form so that people can understand themselves. These are languages that have a large shared vocabulary, too. So a word like nganga would be shared by almost all the people. A word like ngoma for drum would be shared by all the people. So you're talking about a language group and a cultural group. And they were also the dominant group to come to the Americas. They were the largest percentage of Africans who came to the Americas came from this area of Central Africa. And they also influenced the popular cultures. They came at a time when the popular cultures were being established, the national identities in the Americas were being established. So they had a very heavy input in the formation of national identities in the Americas. have all these national musics, particularly in uh, South America, that are Congo words. Samba, tango, cumbia. It's all Congo. It's all Kikongo. You know, rumba in Cuba, bomba in Puerto Rico, all Congo words. So they have an incredible influence in terms of forming the popular culture.
0: This was the heaviest slaved region of Africa for the longest time, with the result that Angola was depopulated by the slave trade and is still underpopulated today. Central Africans were early populators of the present-day United States in Virginia, in New York, in South Carolina, in Louisiana. They were the largest African groups in Cuba and Santo domingue the future Haiti. In the Portuguese colony of Brazil, Angolans were very numerous. John Thornton,
3: who's done quite a few good books, he did one, Africa and Africans in the Making of the Atlantic World, and he talks about the different traditions coming here and how they influence the Americas. I'm going to do that. I'm going to
4: give me a mojo hand.
3: And he, for one, thinks that up until the early 1900s, one of the languages spoken in South Carolina was Kikongo. So you end up with all these Congolese words in South Carolinian English, like simbi, or old people in South Carolina call the forest the finda. And the word in Kikongo is infinda. You know, they find the word for turtle is kuta, and the word is in Kikongo is in kuta. Peace, 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 peas, 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 eating Goodness, how delicious, eating over peas. Are the words for peanut? guber, nguba in the Kikongo, and pinda, pinda in Kikongo. So, two different words for that are still used in South Carolina, one well, of the homes of peanuts.
0: This profoundly spiritual Bakongo culture connects heavily to the Americas across time and space. This is a Congo funeral song in the former Maroon community of Palenque near Cartagena, Colombia. Cartagena was the seat of the Spanish Inquisition in the Americas. Most of the witches tried in Cartagena were Angolan. Cuba, where the system of Cabildos de Nacion facilitated the preservation of African religion, the Congo religion is popularly called Palomonte and Congo words have an almost mystical significance in Cuban culture. Which brings us to Barbaro Martinez Ruiz, a Cuban-born scholar who's an assistant professor of art and art history at Stanford University. His story is fascinating. He grew up in Cuba, within the Congo religious tradition there, which was practiced in his family. So he knows the paleros lore from the inside out and can recognize elements of it when he sees them in Africa. He was drafted at the age of 18 and sent to the south of Angola, the other end of the country from Mbanza Congo and he spent more than two years on the ground there as a soldier in a war. Following which, he studied art in Havana and became a professor there. He came to the United States and got a Ph.D. in art history at Yale, studying under Dr. Robert Ferris Thompson, and it was while doing his dissertation research that he first went to Mbansa, Congo, in 1999, arriving with no contacts and no accommodations prepared while the Civil War was still going on. I asked him
5: about it. I land into the airport. I realized the city was under siege by the UNITA army that I expected to take over the city in the next couple of weeks. And I have a choice to go back in the same flight to Luanda or stay there. I think my curiosity and my desire to accomplish what I wanted to do was more powerful than being killed or kidnapped by the rebel forces and decide to stay.
0: That was in 1999, but he's been going there for months at a time, almost every year since then.
5: I realized that local tradition was living pretty much healthy underneath these many code of Western religious forms that exist in the present day in Ibiza Congo. My goal at the time was to unveil all the different layers to try to understand what is the foundation that allowed a tradition that survived for more than 500 years. For his dissertation, Dr. Martinez amassed some 5,000
0: pictorial elements of the Congo graphic writing system. Bear in mind, Congo supposedly doesn't have a writing system. But Dr. Martinez's work proves that it does, and it's a different idea of writing. This, he says, is a writing system that talks with death. Because, you see, the Bakongo believe there are two worlds, the world of the living and the world of the dead, separated by water that is called kalunga, To communicate between the two worlds, you have to write, says Dr. Martinez, and not necessarily in a way that you can describe with classical Saushurian linguistics, which assumes communications between living people. Dr. Martinez's work has focused on three main areas, graphic writing systems, rock paintings, and proverbs. The term graphic writing systems comes from musicologist Gerhard Kubik, and these are ancestors of a family of similar systems of pictorial writing in the Americas. The Pontos Hiscados of Brazil, the Veves of Voodoo, and the Firmas of the widespread Cuban-Congo religion known as Palo Monte. Dr. Martinez has been all over Zaire province on foot. At one point he got lost in the forest for three days. He's amassed a collection of some 1600 proverbs, very important in Congo tradition, and when I was there, he was working every day, translating them from Kikongo into Portuguese.
5: He's developed a local team to do this work with him. The elders, many of the elders told me, if you can write down the language and spell everything, that will be the first step forward because we allow the people to endorse you. The most important thing is not even to speak now, is to write down, because 90% of the people that don't know how to write, You know, they've been forced to speak Portuguese. They speak fluently. Kikongo better than Portuguese. To write Kikongo was uh, forbidden by the Portuguese. During the colonial era, the Portuguese um, realized language is the tool for domination, is the tool for deculturation.
1: So, Ned, you went to Angola
0: to study the role of music in traditional religion. It's a tremendously religious society with a dense overlay of Christian denominations and African prophetic churches that are hybridized with Christianity to a greater or lesser degree. The word religion, of course, was brought by the Europeans, as was the word fetisaria, or witchcraft. When the missionaries arrived, the Congo people already had a supreme god, named Nzambi Mpungu. In present-day Kikongo translations of the Bible, the name Nzambi is how God is translated, but that name was in use by the Bakongo before the Christians arrived. The Bakongo had the symbol of a cross. It's basic to their ancient cosmogram, known as Dikenga, it's a midpoint cross instead of a chest-high crucifix and it reflects the connection of the various spiritual elements, but it was close enough to a crucifix for the priests. The Bokongo had ritual experts called Ngangas who were similar enough to priests that the Catholic priests could be referred to as Ngangas as well. The Congo king converted to Catholicism at once, not at sword's point, but voluntarily. It offered him all kinds of advantages. By fusing church and state, the Congo king could exercise control over the freelance priesthood. The Bible and the crucifix were understandable as minkisi, power objects, and the priest as an nganga, or ritual expert communicating with the other world. John Fountain wrote, To say
1: that one believed in Nzambi Mpungu, that the priest was nganga, and that his religious paraphernalia, cross, church, images, etc., were all
0: minkisi, was not to change one's religion much. Churches were built all over Congo land. The Catholic Church recognized its bakongo converts, though, as Thornton points out, the priests thought them superstitious. The accommodation between Catholicism and African religion made in Congo in 1491 was taken everywhere in the Americas that Central Africans went to. It informs, for instance, the way Catholic images pervade the art of voodoo. Ned, are there sacred sites in Banza, Congo, today? I wish I could show the tree to you on the radio, but it didn't make any sound that I could record. The tree? Yes, That's Mr. Matalulu of Mbansa Congo's Museum of the Congo Kings. He's showing people the tree, the double-trunked Yalanku, which is believed to be, and quite possibly is, the tree under which the Manikongo, the Congo king, dispensed justice 500 years ago. Everyone in Mbansa, Congo, knows you don't mess with that tree. And of course, there's the great sacred spot, the Kulumbimbi, the ruin of the 16th century Church of San Salvador, which is the greatest historical architectural treasure in all of Angola and which may be about to be declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site with, I have heard, pressure being applied for both Brazzaville and Kinshasa to do so. Kulumbimbi means strong thing.
5: Kulumbimbi was the church. At the time, the king used to be blacksmith, or used to be the master of metal, also a hunter, because a hunter, you need to have the skill of a blacksmith to prepare all the hunting equipment.
0: Across the street from the Kulumbimbi near the tree, there's the place where the king's body would be prepared for mummification, a ceremony Dr. Martinez documented in 2005.
5: After being cleaned, they mummify the body of a king with particular plants. And then the smoke from that plant protects the flesh against time. The elders performed for me in 2005 the ceremony of preparing the body of a king to go on vacation. Because in the Congo tradition, you don't die, you go on vacation. Then haven't really performed this since the 50s, since the last king died, I think 58. All this knowledge is disappearing. The elders, there are maybe three or four that can do that. They have the knowledge of Andambo. But I think in the next 10 years, I won't be able to do it.
0: Next door to the Kulumbimbi, there's a Baptist church from 1876. Almost 400 years after the arrival of Catholicism, it was the first Protestant church in the region. Now, Ned, what music did you hear? I'll be playing you a few samples of what I heard, and with Dr. Martinez's help, I heard some amazing things. But if you want to go to a place where there's live music everywhere you look, with a bewildering variety of drums all around, go to Cuba or Brazil. You went to Mbanza Congo, and didn't hear any drums? There are drums used at mass in Catholic churches, I heard them, as well as in evangelical churches and in the African prophetic churches. The traditional outdoor batuque drumming does still exist, but traditional culture is kind of on the defensive, not so easy to find and perhaps endangered. I don't know of any commercial recordings of it. If I were to pick the one characteristic sound I most heard, it would be choral singing. One evening, I walked down the main street, trying to capture some sound discreetly with my small handheld recorder. I quickly found myself surrounded by children asking questions about my device. I asked them to sing something. Without any further prompting, they did this. Oh Mr. Mpungi, what else did you hear with Mbanza Congo? Something I did not expect to hear a traditional Congo fiddle. It's called the Lungoyi and according to Dr. Martinez, it was an instrument in the Congo court. Antonio Muan, the Madiata, is the only Lungoyi player left in the area. We went a little ways out of town to visit him, interrupting him while he was at work building a house. His instrument, which he built himself and taught himself to play, is a sort of viola with two strings of wire, played with a palm-thread bow and with a little pad of resin on top. So here is Antonio Magieta playing the Lungoingoi. The lyric is about Mbansa Congo, situated in the hills. <laughs>
1: Congo. That's Antonio Mwanda-Madiata performing on the traditional Congo fiddle, the Lungo To see NetSublet's amazing video of this outdoor performance and for transcripts of interviews with Barbaro Martinez-Ruiz, C. Daniel Dawson and
0: Victor Gama, go to our website, AfroPop. Dr. Martinez furnished me with a recording of Mr. Madiata playing together with an 82-year-old player of the mbiti, or Kisanje, which is the thumb piano instrument known elsewhere as the mbira, or sanza. He says that this man, Afonso Medina, is the last player of the instrument in the area. Is there a spiritual significance to the instrument? Yes. Its
5: keys call different simbi, or spirits, which are everywhere. Barbara Martinez Ruiz. The instrument is like a vehicle that allows the simbi to manifest into the realm of the living. It's very important because this the one can combine different simbi that's very difficult to have it in one single space. One family know one simbi, one priest, one Nganga Mauku know one simbi, maybe two, and work with these two all the time. But they cannot work with all of them at the same time. But Biti is an instrument, can have pretty much the skill of many experts as one, just through an instrument.
1: George and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX.
0: Barbara Martinez-Reese introduced me to a remarkable man, Pedro Lopez, who is an Ganga Mawuku. Nganga is an expert. There are many types of Nganga, but Nganga Mawuku is someone who gives treatments, who knows all the uses of plants and other elements. I interviewed Senor Lopez for Afropop Worldwide Hip Deep, and I asked him how he acquired his knowledge. I wasn't really prepared for the answer. He's saying, no one taught me. I died. After I was resuscitated, I began giving treatments. It's hereditary. After I died, I learned in the second world." Close quote. There are two worlds in constant contact, the world of the living and the world of the dead. When you die, you lose your color and go to the land of the dead on the other side of the water. In Haiti, on the other side of the water from Africa, you see Gede, the figure of death, appearing in whiteface because he's dead. So when the Portuguese arrived in their ships, the Bakongo must have logically assumed that these were visitors from the land of the dead. Which, in a sense, they were, as they dragged millions of Central Africans to death at sea or living death on a sugar plantation. I asked Pedro Lopes what it was like to be dead. He told me how he died on January 1st, 1988, what happened to him when he was dead, how three people surged up, a mother and two grandparents. He entered into a clean city, Cidade Bing Limpinha with old people dressed in branco in white. The whole story is so elaborate and so poetic, and we can't take the time to translate it word for word. But the sound of his voice as he tells the story is so musical, perhaps you can get the feeling. Afropop engineer Michael Jones and I made a mashup of Pedro Lopez telling the story with part of Con Licencia, a piece of music from Victor Gama's Odantalan Era
6: dia de Janeiro. De 88, eu não tratava, eu era simplesmente né, o alfaiate que eu estava pronto a cozer. Então, depois da... Porque tem esse sistema aqui, quando toca... Quando dia 21, dia 25 de dezembro, dia da família, a festa. Dia 1, também a festa. Então, depois da criança, estava dançar assim... Era no mato, na minha banda, no calor, o calo, Bárbaro com a Então, 19 horas, quando eu também fiquei de sonhar, meu corpo estava bom, de repente tinha caído. Quando cai daí, pronto, basei. Mori. Aí surgiu três pessoas. Quer dizer, estava a assistir, o meu corpo está estendido no chão, e eu estava de pé. E com aquele perto de três pessoas. Era uma mãe, mais dois, dois avós. São velhas, velhos de verdade. De 300, 300 italianos. Velhos. Outro não tinha mais dente na boca, outro não tinha mais cabelo, outro, todo cabelo foi branco. Pronto, começamos a assistir, estão a vir e tornar a água para cada pessoa quando morre, de repente, entorna à água, às vezes metem um bocado de lume na espada. Mas não fiquei, não fiquei de acordar. Metei o jindongo, o que na boca, nada, nada, nada. Pronto. Vira que não, temos que dar uma última banho, Me levaram lá ou lá. vou pedir ao candeeiro, porque foi de 19 horas, já não vou horas para 23 horas. Então, não havia solução. Daí, tirar a água, lavando. Depois me cortaram o cabelo, pronto. Daí os mais velhos que me levaram que não vamos, 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 vamos. Fomos. Chegaram, eles estavam com um num caminho muito direto, imagina a mata. De repente surge um grande rio, um grande rio. A tal rio e atravessar nesse fio, hein, que coisa, o que, que trança o cabelo. Que filhos daqueles mulheres costumam trançar o cabelo. Dois, embaixo de água, dentro de cima de água, é muito em cima pronto, eu perguntei eles, assim vamos trabalhar, é sério que não tem pla- ponte? não tem ponte daqui. esses fios são pontes, daí entramos naqueles fios até no outro ladrilho. logo que chegamos encontra uma escada, Tipo uma pessoa está subindo o prédio, começamos a subir, a subir, a subir, a subir, a subir, logo que chegamos lá, pronto encontramos uma cidade bem limpinha, uma cidade bem limpa, todas as de decoradas de branca. As pessoas que encontrei tudo, é que havia uma roupa trocada, tudo em branco. Tudo em branco. Mulher, lenço branco, roupa branca, vestido branco, tudo, tudo era em branco. Homem, oh, chapéu branco, louvas, branco, tudo era branco. Pronto, fomos. Numa igreja, na veranda, encontramos uma pessoa lá sentada, com um livro grande. Chegamos lá. Deu o nome, Pedro Lopes Antônio. Não, aqui não andamos não a andam escrever. Só andamos a ter revisto. Bascularam, não havia meu nome. Comecei a discutir aí. Eu nunca venho aqui. Então escreve meu nome. O homem não quer escrever. Escreve. como a deixar, trocar as palavras. homem, como está a ver aqui. a insistir muito. Pronto, me mandou entrar em casa. Entrei lá dentro. Encontrei também uma igreja. Havia lá quatro corredores tava cheio das as mulheres, homens mas ninguém falava. Todos nas sinagoga. Todos estavam a roupa branca, todos foi no altar onde havia o chefe,
1: Much more to come, but first Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and from PRX affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Additional support for Afropop Worldwide comes from WOMEX, the showcase, seminar, and marketplace for world and roots music, October 25th to the 29th in Galicia, Spain. More info at womex.com. Folks, we have some big news. This fall, Afropop Worldwide is launching a new podcast offering. Hosted by Yours Truly Banning Air and Mukwe Wabex Yolwe you'll hear interviews new music releases gems from our archives and of course lively discussions about current happenings in the fast changing world of Afropop To join the party well subscribe to Afropop worldwide wherever you get your podcast
3: Pablo, Pablo.
0: Now, Ned, how about this album, Odantalang? We've been hearing pieces of it while we talk. A collaborative project from 2002, unlike anything else I've heard. The music was supervised by Angolan composer Victor Gama. They brought together representatives of Congo or Angolan-derived Cuban, Brazilian, and Colombian traditions to Luanda for a series of discussion sessions and musical collaborations. In making the recording, they decided to exchange with each other the African and American versions of the same instruments. Victor Gama explains it.
7: All of us that came together on Odantala were people from cities. We were urban people. And so the differences weren't that great. Everybody was quite used at improvising, so it was very easy to switch instruments and see the bridges appearing between these instruments that had traveled over time and over huge distances and had evolved into somewhat different instruments, but the genetic code was still there, and that was really a tremendous experience.
1: From Odontalan, here's Marimba Pacifico.
8: We will mío, por
1: from Victor Gama in Hip Deep 4, the Cuban intervention in Angola, coming soon. So, Ned, what else did you do in Banza,
0: Congo? I was presented to the Lumbu. The Lumbu? The traditional tribunal of 21 elders. They've met for 500 years, including all through 41 years of war. Consisting of both men and women, they adjudicate things like domestic issues, land disputes, problems with witchcraft. They wear matching suits. As an integral part of the court proceedings, they sing their arguments, citing proverbs. They met in the structure adjacent to the greenhouse behind the tree, the Yalan Kubu. In the greenhouse, Barbaro Martinez Ruiz explained.
5: The way the Lumbu work is through son. When you have a complaint, you have a case. The way that case has to be made in front of a court, you have to sing. And the singing is it's a process of making clear your request or making clear the violation or transgression from a family member, from a neighbor, or from whatever situation you have, that had to be translated to the secretary. The secretary had to take that and had to articulate through a song through the court. And the court also had to respond in the same way back to the secretary and the secretary back to the client. Is this because the laws are encoded in songs? They're coding songs and they're coding proverbs, because the proverb could be a song when the music comes in between. All the moral philosophy is in the proverb, but it doesn't resonate until you have to articulate through the music in that space in which the music played that kind of role of visualizing your request.
0: I didn't get to record an actual deliberation of the Lumbu, but I did record them calling to order. I had hoped I could sit in the back and observe quietly, but no, I was brought up front and presented to the Tribunal of Elders. I made a brief, impromptu speech expressing my desire to know more. Then a second visitor was presented, a Catholic sister who was visiting from Melange. When she was presented, she brought up a powerful topic. She said, why are children being rejected by their families? if the family is our life. They call them witches and send them to the street. What she's referring to is a socio-religious phenomenon that's been appearing in many places in Africa as well as in the diaspora, but was especially powerful among the Bakongo people. The persecution of children as witches. Accusations of witchcraft have a long history in this culture, but formerly it was old people who were accused of witchcraft, not children. Evangelical pastors have been particularly prone to witch-hunting. Victor Gama.
7: When you go to Brazil or to Cuba, you see that religious practices that came from Angola are today striving and developing, and people are publishing books, and the practices are open to the public. Uh, anyone can go to a terreiro and a candomblé de Angola ceremony or go to a Regla de Ocha ceremony in Havana, or, but in Angola it's totally the opposite. There's kind of a witch hunt directed at people who still practice uh, Angolan religions or African religions. I believe that witch hunt is not really coming from the official institutions or like the government or the state, It's something that's probably being generated by this overwhelming presence of evangelical churches and radicals that brainwash people into thinking that their own culture is devilish and is bad and it should be burned and it should be uh, thrown away, you know.
0: There have been group homes established for children turned out by their families after being accused of witchcraft. The destabilization wrought by decades of war, in which many children find themselves living with distant relatives, seems to have created the conditions in which to blame children for all the uncertainties of modern Africa. So children who bedwet or have epilepsy or malaria or behavior problems or bad attitudes become objects of exorcism. This is an easy way for a pastor to prove his power, to drive out a demon from a frightened child. The Lumbu's response took as a starting point the past decades of fratricidal war, emphasizing its own commitment to the family. After the session, a few of the members stated our request to sing. They sang Ngele Ngele, which Dr. Martinez explained as being about a young woman grown and ready to leave her family.
5: And the father created a song for her when she's in danger, can sing that song. And have a kind of mental connection between daughter and father. I think the beginning of the son is Ngiel, Ngiel, Musila Congo. Musila That means I am in my way to Mbasa, Congo. The story of the son is the daughter is looking into things and saw a basket. And when she put the hand inside the basket, the snake bites her. And she is afraid because the poison can kill her. And the son tells that moment of fear that allowed the father to recognize the fear through the mental connection. That is an incredible sound. And then the son say, "I am in my way to mbansa Congo. I want to go back to see you, daddy."." Yay.
0: repeated over and over. Those are syllables from the batuque, or drum. Barbaro
5: Martinez Ruiz. In old time, they used to call the entire community. There is a, a phrase that displays with that drum that the people now is gathering and coming together and they will concentrate in a particular place. The way the onomatopoeic of Batuke sound, every single person in Embassa Congo will know is a Pakundungu Pelekete, Pakundungu Pelekete. It's this actual sound on the skin of a Batuke drum, Pakundungu Pelekete, Pakundungu Pelekete. Every single person knows that particular phrase.
0: At night, in the bathroom of my room at the Hotel Estrela do Congo, I could hear sanctified singing coming through the ventilation. I went out into the street and tracked it down one Saturday night. It was a church choir rehearsal over by the Baptist church next to the Kulumbimbi. I stood a distance away in the dark, listening. I turned my recorder on. I knew that if I went up to them, I would break the mood. I hope they don't mind this stray bit of their song captured for the world to hear. It's a dense field of religion. Besides Catholics and evangelicals of all description, there are also the African prophetic churches. Like the Kimbangist Church. Named after Simon Kimbangu, who was born in the so-called Congo Free State in 1887 and died in prison after 30 years of confinement by the Belgian colonial authorities in 1951. During his imprisonment, he became a symbol of Congo nationalism as well as a sanctified figure. Pedro Lopes told me that when he treats spiritual illness, first he invokes God, and second, Simon Kimpangu. At the sacred tree in Mbansa, Congo, I met three young women who were members of the ACK, popularly known as the Church of Kimpa Vita, which honors Dona Beatriz, a female nganga who declared herself to be a black Saint Anthony and her followers Little Anthonies, and who was burned alive by the Portuguese in 1706. There's Mpe Yanlongo, whose name means guardian spirit. There's the botanical house of the Holy Spirit, organized along the lines of a traditional healing organization. There's the Church of the Black Man in Africa. And there's the BDK, or Bundu Dia Congo, which aims to cut out five centuries of Christian influence from Congo practice. Founded in 1969, the BDK is both a spiritual movement and a political movement of Central African unification, something that is not welcomed by the governments of any of the various nation-states where Congo people live. Their sacred book is called Makongo, or Makaba. While I was in Mbansa, Congo, I met Matondo Makani, a songwriter who revered the Makaba. I asked him if he could sing a song a cappella for Afropop Worldwide Hip Deep. And he sang me a song that he had composed to Tatanzambi and Pungu, the Almighty Supreme God the Father.
9: Ta tanzami ya mpungu tuleno Tu na vana kofi kiake mo ye toto Ta makana mamingi vanza Tukuto namun namu na zola kwa ku kwa beto, Talambanza ya tokoa tu kaina, Itoka ne kwa tantu. makana Tukutona muna zola kuakuku ameto tala mazaya atoko atukaina itoka ne swanga kwantu tatanzami apungu tuleno. I can't believe that I can't believe that I can't believe that I can't believe that I can't believe na Fumu oma tondo tukulo mele Mou mazoulou zima si zeti yimila Favak touton peme to twe tikeyemela Seno e rankum fumu kawe nan tukako Fumu tondo tukulo mele Tatanza tule no twizifa nakufize twe unge uwana vakuna kya
1: matondo makani singing to tatan zambiam pungu Join me next week for another stunning
0: episode of Afropop Worldwide. And we'll be back soon with Hip Deep Angola 4, the Cuban intervention in Angola. Extra special thanks to Njinga Paiva, to the staff and directorate of the Museo dos Reis do Congo in Mbansa, Congo, to the Lumbu, to the team working with Barbara Martinez Ruiz in Mbansa, Congo, to Marisa Moorman, and to Henry Drool.
1: My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. This episode was produced by Sablet. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Mike Kaplan, Noriko Kabe, Paul Ruest, and Michael Simon Johnson. Budding Air edits our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Mukwaiwabe Siolwe, and I'm Georges Collinet.